You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Today is Tuesday, August 9th, 2011. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. We've got some special guests tonight. Our, our show is sponsored by GreatBrewers.com. To learn more about beer education and other beer information, check out GreatBrewers.com. What a, what a room full of beer guys we have today. we got Tony Forder, the editor of Ale Street News, and he's here. He's got a flute and some haikus. Tony, are you going to talk tonight or just play the flute? I might talk a little bit, maybe. That's the Ale Street News. We've got Sam Merritt from Civilization of Beer. Always a pleasure, Jimmy. No flute? No instruments, Sam? <laughs> my instrument is my voice, you know, the golden voice. And then we've got our, our very special first-time guest, and uh, he's somebody that everybody wants to meet because uh, they say he has the coolest job in New York City. There's a place in uh, Manhattan called Italy. And uh, very quietly, they've opened a brew pub on the roof called uh, Berraria, and this gentleman's name is Brooks Coretta. Brooks, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, we're, we're going to grill the hell out of you because everybody <laughs> wants to know what you guys are doing up there. Uh, how, how did this ever come about? You're an American guy. Yes. Where, where did you grow up? I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas, and, but I happened to move to Rome, Italy when I was eight years old, and... I lived there ever since. I just got back to the U.S. here in New York City about four months ago, just to start the brew pub. So the the big secret is is uh, you are part of a very cool American Italian collaboration, right? Oh yeah, I think I incarnate the whole idea of the thing because, well, of course I'm half Italian, half American, and the project we are we started and where we're working on right now is really focusing on the. <clears throat> on the Italian craft beer world and the American craft beer world. And we're trying to combine the two worlds and make, you know. Uh, this guy's uh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Already, it's, it's the multi- multiple levels. He's I, like the golden child. It's so complex. I, I thought it was this boy from Arkansas, soft-spoken. He's really spent most of his life in Italy. Yes, I have. So uh, how, did you meet, how did you meet the guys from uh, Del Borgo and Baladine? They're some of the partners in this brew pub. Well, about two years ago, I walked up to Leonardo Di Vincenzo, which is the founder of Beer del Borgo, and asked him if I could mop the floors and just see what those guys were doing in the brewery, because I thought it might be, you know, a good change in my life to start working with uh, with beer and following my passion. So uh, I started working there, and uh, after three or four months, Leonardo came up to me and asked me and if if I wanted to start up a brew pub in Manhattan. And I was like, yeah, well, maybe 
of course, no, I was I was right in. Uh, of course, I already knew the collaboration was going to be with Dogfish and Baladant, so great breweries. Uh, breweries, I, I, I was really uh, in, enjoying the beers from those breweries, so I was all in and I was all about it. Tony, uh, have you heard anything about the, the Berreria on top of Italy? Yeah, I've been there twice. Beautiful uh, spot, great views, um, good selection of beer. The cask-conditioned beer is excellent, I must say. It's funny, my daughter just got back from uh, doing a summer semester in Rome. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was there five weeks. Fell in love with it. I'm glad she came back. Sam, have you been up there to Berreria? Yeah, I was there for the press event, and it was uh, it was pretty astounding. Um, I love the glassware. I love the presentation. I love uh, you know the way they pour the beer there. Uh, it's really top notch on service. And then um, one of the most interesting things about the place, I think, is that on the roof there's no pasta because the beer is your carbs, you know. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense because all I really want is sausages and beer and and mustards and you know spicy things and. I could do without. So what beer are they serving? Are you, are you only serving the beer that you make? No, we're serving. Well, right now we are producing four different brands of um, house-made beers, but we also have circa ten taps of both Italian and American craft brews because we want to s- celebrate both of those worlds. As I said before, first time I was there, I saw Bill Kovaleski from Victory up there. He's got his Prima Pils. I know it's an Alma Gang beer, I think, as well. Does it feel like a a beer bar, or is it more of like a a brew pub? It's Well, the the brew pub part is kind of outside the main restaurant area. You see it on the way in. Um, It's it's, it's just got this very, you know, open feeling to it, and they have the wine barrels displayed behind the bar. Um, So it's, you know, I guess it depends what time of day you go there, what kind of crowd is going to be there i know it's very popular in the evening i've only been there in the afternoon so it's the highest brew pub you know that's kind of cool it's pretty high uh but yeah it's you know you walk in and you see uh the tanks and they have a beautiful uh beautifully laid out sort of uh walk you through the you know the the process of brewing and then you're you're out there and there the taps are and there the so it's on the top, the top of the building uh, yeah you're looking right at the flat iron building right across and there's a retractable roof you know I, would, I just want you guys to put a bocce cord in, and I'm going to say it on the air. Okay. Okay. Does it feel like an Italian? Does it feel like an Italian pub? One of those balls to fall well, off there's the There's all these man. Italian people running around, and there's all this Italian stuff. So yeah, it's it's pretty Italian, you know. But it's right on the roof. I though. felt I was pretty lucky in, in the spring. I was at Broken Brewery, and uh, the guy from Baladin, what's his name? Teo Musso. And the guy from Del Borgo, what's his name? Leonardo Di Vincenzo. I love the way you say that. <laughs> this should be like say listen, more Italian listen names. to the yeah, sexy Italian, Italian names. names. <laughs> Say Jimmy Carboni, will you? Jimmy Carboni. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How was that? That's perfect. Wow. What show is this? Oh, see, Jimmy loves that. This, <laughs> is, the, this is the travel and tour show for beer. I, 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 honestly, I um, some people in the industry, we weren't going to take Italy too seriously just because it's it's like, you know, the Mecca. It, it's Most of us are just small independent guys or local or regional people. And Italy seems like this international destination. Um are you are you running the brew pub like like a local pub? I mean, what are, what are the goals of having a brew pub at Italy? Our goal, I mean, I, I can speak for myself, and my main goal is to share the knowledge of beer and the culture of beer with as many people as possible. So, like, um, I wouldn't really consider ourselves to be 
an Italian restaurant that is on a rooftop and has a retractable roof and it's completely devoted to beer. Yeah. All, all the food we serve is supposed to be, you know, accompanied by a nice craft brewed beer. So I think uh, my, my main focus is really to get out there get out to the people and, you know, try to um, share the knowledge, you know. That's, that's what I've always liked to do with beer, even when I wasn't brewing. I was, you know, doing tastings and trying to get as many people as possible into our little world that is slowly expanding. Yeah, so, just, Sam. What are some of the foods that that they have at the birreria? Well, just all the you know sausages. Most of the cured meats and sausages is where you want to go. You know, it's just perfect stuff. You know, as it's kind it, of like as, very local oriented. You know, farm to table kind of deal. Yeah, um, you should have a meat, a fish, and a chicken dish when I was there. Yeah. Uh, I stuck to beer. Actually, I didn't eat anything when I was three there. different fungi. You know, <laughs> yeah. mushroom. I think I had one of those. Uh-huh. And what do you think? Really uh, we just had uh, Brooks. This is a beer that you made, right? Yes. And yes, what is it called? Of our house house. This is a Gina. It's a thyme pale ale, and it's basically a very classic American pale he ale. He said thyme. Thyme. He says thyme, but we say thyme. So. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, so you you brew, you brew the beer here on the roof? Yes. And, and uh, let's ask some technical questions. We got our team here. We got Sam and Tony. Let's talk about the actual brewery itself. Because this is pretty interesting. It's a, it's a brew pub. People say you can't do brew pubs in, in New York. They're doing it. What, what's the setup, Sam? Well, they've, they've got some square footage up there. What is it? Maybe 1,500 square feet in the, in the brewing area. Approximately, yes. Uh, so that's a, big, that's a big plus is the air rights. Uh, the other thing is, you know, logistically, the first thing that comes to mind is that, wow, the roofs get really hot up there in New York City and Midtown. So uh, temperature control is a huge concern. And that's kind of, that's the first thing I asked Brooks is like, hey, man, it's hot up here, right? And, uh, yeah, he was sweating, you know. And, but they figured it out. They have the technology, and it's great. And what the other thing also is the, uh, obviously, the beer engines that they serve the uh the cask conditioned beer in the traditional manner with the uh, the uh, the pumps, the beer engines, the hydraulic pumps. Yep. Well, an interesting fact is that all the beer we brew up on the roof is served in cask. It's all cask conditioned, which makes a faster turnaround for our fermenters, and all, it's also you know a very traditional and unique way to serve beer. It's really beer in its natural state. So, like fresh local beer. And, and when you make the beer, uh, like how many barrel system do you have? And all that? We have a seven barrel system, and so um, I have a three point five barrel brewing system and two seven barrel fermenters. So, so if you say seven barrel, just for the folks out there that aren't total geeks, but seven barrel system really will make um, you know twice as many half barrels that you see out in the street. Yeah, just uh, a keg. So, yeah, the regular kegs. Working do you kegs. put it in regular kegs, or do you uh, just go right from a serving tank? No, we all, all the beer we brew goes into Firkins, into casks. Oh, into into yeah. the casks. Okay. Yeah, I stand corrected. Not a keg, because then it wouldn't be cask-conditioned beer. So exactly. the Firkins are a little smaller than a keg, right? So Yeah. Okay. A Firkin is 10.8 U.S. gallons. Right. Mm-hmm. And a pin is about five. Mm-hmm. Wow, so you're like a cask-only brew pub. Yes, which That's I think is very unique. It's very unique. It's Brooks, hard to do cask. I got a question, Brooks. Um, you have the three main uh, styles of beer that, that you brew. Are you going to stick to that? or? Uh, we are thinking about it. Uh, of course, 
you all know Sam Calagione, Teo Musso, and Leonardo Di Vincenzo. Uh, he always have a large a few styles of beer, right? Portfolio. <laughs> of so beers. what happens? I mean, they come in and, and just they sit around and drink and they argue, and then they somebody decides what beer to make, or how does it work? Well, the last uh, they hug group, after they argue, which will be the new seasonal coming in, in the fall. Uh, what they did actually, they they gathered one morning. They went through. The, the Italy retail store downstairs, and they just picked up some ingredients. They brought them up to me, and we just came up with a recipe and brewed it. So it's very. So it's like you're on chopped, you know. Yeah. You just say, yeah, here you go. Those three guys really follow their instinct for brewing beer, and that's what I've learned to do. So yeah, it's very anything can happen. Really, it's the thi- kind of amazing. The times they are changing. Yes, this is great beer. It's really, uh, you know, the time comes out. Yep. I think it's interesting because it has everything you want in a traditional American pale ale, but it has that little twist. I like to call it the twist on classic. At the very end. First time that uh, um, we actually pick in Italy in Borgo Rosa where Birra Borgo is, and thyme just grows spontaneously around those hills, and we just pick fresh thyme and add it to the beer. This is my haiku for this beer. Maybe weather influence. Rivers of rain, puddles and prayers. The passing of people and time. Good one, Tony. Nice work, Tony. Tony from Ailes. Tony, this is quite a show. We've got a, we've got a, something here, and we're trying to find out more about it. But it, it, it's that they're doing something very simple. They're they're making beer uh, a traditional way and serving it the way that they do in places like in Germany and uh, it, in England. Absolutely, yeah. The English influence. I mean, the Italian brewing scene is just growing in leaps and bounds. Um, I was there maybe three years ago in northern Italy for the cheese festival in the Piedmont area and visited a few breweries. Um, I mean, there's, what, oh, 300, 400 breweries now in Italy? Uh, I think the count is 370 right now. Right. Um, and they're just making, um, reinventing beer, adding different ingredients, um, I noticed that um, chestnuts was a favorite ingredient uh, that they use in a lot of beer. Um, yes, chestnuts is a very, it's a very unique brewing ingredient to Italy. Yeah, very and flamboyant beers, uh, styles, uh, uh, ingredients, and um, uh, labeling. Um, Here's a good one. How, how do you use chestnuts? I know sometimes you can use chestnuts as flour. Mm-hmm. You can make pasta out of it and pizzas. How do you use chestnuts in beer? Well, we at Beer Borgo, we used to grind them very coarsely and uh, just add them to the mash uh, like as a grain because it, it is a nut that does contain some quantity, a good quantity of starches. So it's, and it's, it's got a lot of low oil content. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't... Um, it doesn't grease up the mash and stuff, so it uh, it's, so what, it's, it's used it's as a carbohydrate. And, barley and chestnuts. Barley and chestnuts. Right. And it's a it doesn't impart a very um, uh, unique flavor in a way that uh, a variety of hops would. But it really, I think, it's very interesting because it really creates a bond between the brewery and the territory that surrounds it. You know. So, um, I, I can speak for beer at Borgo because I worked there for, for for the most of the time I've been brewing, and people like living in the village in uh, in Borgo Rosse 
were not very, you know, uh, knowledgeable, knowledgeable about beer. They didn't know much about hops. They didn't know much about the grains that were used. But they were very proud that we were using the chestnuts from around the, the village the to source. brew the beer. So yeah. that really creates a strong bond mm. between they were the proud, brewery. They were and proud the, that it yeah. was in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey guys, uh, we actually got an email question for Brooks just now from Seagull two five two, asking Brooks, will you do a harvest ale with fresh wet hops? Yo, Seagull. You know him, Tony. <laughs> Hello, John. Uh, uh, fly, Seagull. right? Seagull. Or <laughs> yeah. It's also a French word for some kind of grain. So, Brooks. <laughs> yes, I would love to. I would love to. I Italy is not known to be a, a hop growing country. Because there's some things starting right now. There's some projects going on, but there was never a market for it, so that never really picked up. But so I've never brewed with uh, wet or fresh hops, and that would be a very interesting thing to do. There's a lot of people growing hops here, so I'm sure if if we made a few calls, we could get you lots of hops that are growing okay. around here. Awesome. This is such a great little group we have, and we'll be back in a few minutes here on Beer Sessions Radio. You get up in the morning, you hear the ding-dong ring. Now you look up on the table, you see the same darn thing. You find no food up on the table, no fog up in the pan. But if you say a thing about it, you be in trouble with the man. I left the midnight special. Shine a light on me Oh, let the midnight special Shine its ever-loving light on me Now, if you're ever in a Houston Oh, you better walk right Oh, you better not gamble, boy I say you better not fight Well, out of sheriff, he'll grab you And the boys will pull you down before you know it, your penitentiary found. I let the midnight special shine a light on me. Let the midnight special shine its ever loving light on me. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Give a shout out to our sponsor, GreatBrewers.com. Learn more about beer, check out GreatBrewers.com. And we're supported by the Good Beer Seal, GoodBeerSeal.com, and New York Association of 34 really great, small, independently owned beer bars. I'm here tonight with uh, Tony Forder from Ale Street News. Sam Merritt from Civilization of Beer, popping his cork, and our new buddy Brooks Coretta from Italy's Berrera. But he's really here from uh, Del Borgo, uh, this great brewery in uh, in Italy where he got started. And we're gonna we're gonna take you back on that journey. We're gonna go to uh, into Italy to this great new land of uh, craft beer, Del Borgo, with Tony on flute. So Brooks, bringing you back to when you were younger. <laughs> You ended up on the doorstep of this uh, brewer. Yes. Um, 
And what town is this in Italy? It's Borgorose. It's uh, in the Lazio region. It's about uh, 80 kilometers northeast of Rome. Uh, and in Rome, we kind of like to call it our local brewery because, you know, it was the first brewery for sure in Lazio to really start, you know, spreading the culture of beer and bringing new things and really... Um, Really, I mean, really doing new things. So the beer we have here has an interesting story because, uh, like all great things, it was it started with a mistake. Sam, which beer is this? It's called Extra Real Ale. It's the the from Del Borgo. Yeah. So the legend is that one day Leonardo Di Vincenzo uh, that started his uh, uh, beer at Borgo Brewery six years ago. And, of course, he was brewing on his own. He didn't have any employees yet. One day, he forgot to add his bittering hops to the Reale beer. So, he, of course, no batch is to be dumped at a starting brewery. So he had the great idea of adding all the hops at the end of the boil. So, uh, and he used uh, a very heavy, late boil hop schedule. And so... Uh, um, the interesting thing about this beer is that there are no bittering hops. All the bitterness you're getting are actually from the late edition hops, and it's also pretty heavily dry hopped, which gives the beer uh, a different feel, a different bitterness feel. It's, it, of course, it can be labeled as an IPA, but it's not your usual IPA. It has a very different feel to it. So I think that's that's an innovation. I mean, that's something new. Yeah, it's a, it's a change in direction of, I mean, you know, it's like, a new traffic pattern. You turn, and all of a sudden, there's no dead end, but there's a one-way street, and you have to take it. Yeah, you get a lot of malt coming right up the middle. Yeah. And then the hops hit late. Yeah, and then, but then there they are. It's like yeah. gone, and you have to take another sip. So yeah. So it's called extra real. I've had I've had a couple of the Del Borgo. Do you call them Del Borgo? We call them Del Borgo. What, what do you say? Yeah, we call them Del Borgo, too. Del Borgo, yeah. and that's the, the local brewery of Rome. Yes. For is. real, really? Yeah, and we're <laughs> very proud cool. of it. Yes. So Delbor- what are the, some of the other really great beers that they make? Uh, well, the Beer Borgo has a very large portfolio. Uh, last year, I think we counted, uh, we brewed 30 different recipes. Uh, other very interesting beers are Gentiana, which is brewed with uh, gentian root. Uh, then we make uh, Duquesa, which is brewed with spelt that grows around the, the, the around. Uh, the town, you know, the, the region where the brewery is, uh, which really creates, again, uh, a strong bond between the brewery and, and its own territory. And then uh, we brew a very nice beer with uh, raspberries, which is called a rubus, which is the Latin name for raspberries. Uh, and of course, it's sort of like a framboise, it has Duh. its tartness. <laughs> <laughs> What yeah, about the tea beer? About the um, totally. They brew with Leonardo and uh, Teo Musso also from Valdan. They like to travel a lot. Um, I've ran into them in Europe, uh, in Belgium, and also in Montreal at the Mondial de la Beer they, they've been to. And uh, they're two of the most traveling brewers that I've that I know from Italy. Yeah, I did. See probably a lot why they ended up in New York for too. Borgo. He was gone. One time I, I, I was at Broken Brewery and I saw the guy from they said the guy from Baladine and the guy from Del Borgo. One had like tight jeans on. Who was that? That was Baladine, right? That's probably Telmusu. Yes. Is he wearing a scarf? <laughs> That's his style. <laughs> wearing a scarf, maybe? I, I didn't look. I wasn't really checking it out. But. Brooks has the <laughs> tightest jeans dude. I've ever seen on right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, for you. 
listeners out there. With these traveling Italian brewers, man, this is kind of cool. Uh, do, do they make a beer with tea? Yes, Beer Borgo also makes a beer with tea. It's called a te. So how, how do you make a beer with tea? Uh, well, it's green tea added at the very end of the boil, actually in the whirlpool process of the brew. Um, uh, steep it up quick. Steep it up quick quick, because uh, that avoids extracting the tannins from the tea mm-hmm. leaves. And it also uh, 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 avoids losing aroma. So that's the way, that's the way to do it. At the very end. All right. Cool stuff. Okay. Tony. Yeah. So, uh, so how yeah. do you feel being on Beer Sessions Radio? Uh, it's great. Yeah, just uh, one time did it before. You know, obviously uh, there's a big uh, hole here, you know, from a friend. I, I know you've all well, saluted. It's we'll time to make a it. toast, but uh, our good friend Ray Dieter, rest in peace. We love you, Ray. Ray Dieter, we, we had a Cheers memorial uh, page in the latest issue of L Street News. Um which was actually uh, devoted to travel. Um, and if you want to go to Italy, L Street News is running a trip to Italy. It starts in Strasbourg at the Mondial de la Beer Festival in Strasbourg at the end of October. And then we go down to northern Italy after that. So, you know, check our website if, uh, if you're interested in checking out northern Italy. You also you do a, a, a great tour to uh, Belgium annually, don't you? We do the Belgian tour in the spring annually, and also we do um, the tour to the Great American Beer Festival, which this year is uh, at the end of September. Are you sold and out on that or what? No, we're not, and we're probably one of the few people that still have tickets because the show is sold out all four sessions. It's sold out months ahead this year. Yeah, where is the Great American Beer Fest going to be this year? It's in Denver. It's in Denver every oh, year. Denver. It's the same place every year. There's yep. a great wow. video on YouTube. Uh, I, I should go one year. <laughs> you should. You should come with us. This is like our 15th annual trip. We go every year with a group, and um, we do one day of touring out in Colorado. Um, Usually, you know, the Fort Collins corridor there from Denver is uh, just a, a mine of great breweries from New Belgium to Odell's and um, Boulder, Avery. Uh, we might change it up this year and go up to the mountains. I'm not sure yet. Go to Coors, Tony. Go Coors. to Coors. Coors <laughs> is amazing go to, to see. I'll go, go, it's beautiful. We can go to Golden. There's a Golden Brewing Company, which is a tiny little place. We had to wake the guy up there when, when we first went and uh, to serve us some beers. Uh, how do you think uh, a small brewery in Italy would differ than a small brewery in Colorado? I'm not really sh- Well, um, that's a good question because there's some very small breweries in Italy, and now the trend here is the nano breweries, which are... I'm going to say what they're wearing. Very, now. very small. Also, um, you know, the three, four-barrel systems. I saw... La Piccolo Brewery in Apricali in Italy, which it actually is not there anymore. It moved, but um, up these winding ra- roads, you know, up from the Mediterranean, up into the hills. And um, he told me they had to close the road when they delivered his brewing equipment. And he only had, a, I think it was the same, about the same size as yours, seven barrel maybe. Seven barrels. Um, so um, I don't know. This, some of these breweries that I saw were very rustic. There's a brewery called Troll. Um, in Piedmont, which is right up against the mountains. Um, the road ends there because it's so steep. It's a big ski area, but I was there in the summer. Matter of fact, they had a big avalanche there back in the 90s, which kind of, I think, killed four or five people and wiped out a lot of the town. Um, so, you know, quite remote, some of these breweries in Italy. Um, are, are most of them that same size? And that's kind of neat. We've got some nano, and we got barrier out here on Long Island. People aren't shipping a lot of beer. It sounds like it sounds like there's a very local, very specialized, you know. Um, and you know, it's not cheap, but uh, you know, if you got euros, you're okay. <laughs> well, most of the 
starting craft breweries start out very small three barrels four barrels five barrels and they usually yes yeah, start in like uh you know um uh, the brewer's granddad's old farmhouse or yeah. things like that. So they're, yes, they're very rustic and rural and usually very nice. I mean, they're in very nice areas in Italy. It's almost a bit like uh, Belgian influence there with the uh, artisanal factor. You know, and they keep yeah. small. I'm sure there are so some that are expanding now. The stat that just came out from the, the BA this week, the mid-year stat of breweries and planning this year, uh, how many are there now? I think there's up to 700 breweries in planning that are planning on opening here in the U.S. In America. Wow. And, and uh, you know, it makes me think about sort of, you know, if there's 300 or so in Italy, that's a huge step uh, forward than we were in the U.S. even 10, 15 years ago. So there's an explosion, and it's a, it's a faster one that's happening in Italy, and maybe it's because of that local sort of, hey, we're only going to brew seven barrels. We, wanna, we don't want to be big. We just want to sell all the beer we make, and the Nanos and, of course, the Nomads are of that same ilk. Yeah, if I can haiku it here, um, this was from the Craft Brewers Conference. Um, we did a poster for this uh, with haiku and photo collage. Most breweries now in over a century, 600 more wait. Which means that um, I think it's 1,750 was the number they gave out uh, back in the spring of breweries that uh, exist in the U.S., which is the most breweries since um, in, in over 100 years. And 600 more are waiting to open. Sam just said 700, which is probably an update. And a lot of these are, are the small-type breweries. Is that your haiku or is that your commentary? Yeah, because that was more than 757, bro. first, so followed by a little commentary. Do, do one more haiku. Come on. Tony Forder from Ale Street okay, well, News. We're, we're lucky to have which, what, one. Which beer are we drinking now? The Advisen Bam? This, is, uh, the, this, this is, is actually the Nora. This is the guy from Italy. He wears the tight jeans. Uh, all right, and he's one of the guys from uh, Italy Berria. Pass it around. Come on. So I don't this have a haiku Baladine. for that one, but I have a haiku for the other beer we drank. The Advisen Bam from Jolly oh, yeah. Pumpkin. Lemon Zing. I can't read my writing here. Oh, Lemon Zing Weizen Brew. Little sour Fu Manchu. Drink one, drink a few. Oh, that's nice one, Tony. Well, On the spot, too. more like a rap. The beauty of haiku is that it is inspiring, and, and, and many brewers, I think it's appropriate to have haikus with the, with the Italian brewers and, and Brooks uh, from uh, Berraria here. Wow. Do they do haikus in the brewery in, in Italy? When they hang out, do they just do art and music and all that we cool do a stuff? We freestyle every once in a while. Yeah. With the beers. <laughs> <laughs> but the one we're drinking now, which is the Baladin Nora, which is made by... Teomuso. It's really interesting because it's brewed with mir, which is a resin that grows on trees in Ethiopia. And speaking of traveling around the world, the best way I can describe this beer is just close your eyes, take a little just like sniff, and it really takes you somewhere else. I mean, the aroma is in it. Take you around the world. I think it's very... Yeah, that, that little spice is yeah. amazing. Sam, I, I heard this. I've, I've been following some of the really so sort of good with small paella. craft paella. Italian beers for, for many years now. Um, Be United in Connecticut imports most of them. Um, one of the things that I've been told is that they, they use these traditional local ingredients in Italy... Um, and Sam, do you have anything to say about them? Because this is really, to Whoa. me, it's a breakthrough. Like Over Italian the, craft beer right. is amazing. Um, it's, it's it's very high quality. It's all small batch. It's right. these guys trying to uh, 
really push their palates. So if there was a definition for craft beer that was put out there by a national association that I belong to, one of the things they talk about is traditional, traditional ingredients. And part of that definition that the BA has is that, you know, it's, it's hearkening back to the Reinheitsgebot, which is about 1500. Now, before the rise of hops and the popularity of hops, you had Gruet. And Gruet was a mixture of, of grains, spices, you know, all kinds of things found locally that would season your beverage and also hopefully preserve it as well. So this is a throwback, and it's, it's, it's way, way further back than the Reinheitsgebot. So this stuff where, hey, wait, I'm going to get my chestnut guy down the road, and I'm going to get some stuff from him, is... First of all, it's super sustainable because nothing's traveling anywhere. And that's the way it was always done. So it's the slow food. And it's the slow food of beer. And beer is, of course, the most glorious soup ever. And the reason and the cause for civilization itself. So, of course, Jimmy, that's that's what I have to say on that. But, uh, you know, that's that's what goes on. It, it, and you put anything in your beer, you're, you're allowed. You know, and these guys are showing us. Sam Merritt, civilizationofbeer.com. He's also coming up with soup recipes. You know, I love that you said soup. I was thinking the same thing. It's a cold soup that you don't have to eat with a spoon, you know? Sometimes when, when people talk about how you make beer, I, I, I either say it's a tea, starts out as a tea, or it's a soup. Soup's a good one. Yeah, it's a soup. You season it, you know. He knows. He cooks it. You have to use heat. You have to boil it. You know, Tony knows. I read a great article uh, about witches and beer. Uh, in Ale Street News one time, and it turned me around. But the cauldrons that witches would yeah, stand the around. Historical, uh, Alan know. Ames was the writer, I believe. Did you write that? Yeah, yeah. Alan Ames. Yeah. Rest, may he ferment in peace as well. Indeed. <laughs> Fermented. Yeah. F-I-P. Witches and beer. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> but the cauldrons that the witches would stand around, they were the shamans, and they were making beer. And it was made with all sorts of local ingredients. They didn't FedEx anything, you know. Well, his whole theory was that... Um, the reason they persecuted the witches back in the Middle Ages, it wasn't any religious thing. The, relig- uh, the, the church, economic. Catholic Church, wanted to corner the market on brewing, and so they persecuted the brewers, who the Bruces, who would hang a broom outside their you know, door when the, when, the, when the brute was ready, and they called them. They made their own money. They were usually single, pretty, usually I'm thinking they were pretty good looking, and uh, they sold a lot of beer, you know, and that wasn't cool with the man. Well, you right. guys are just—you're giving an awesome introduction. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with the beer wench on Beer Sessions Radio. Son, you gotta work late Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do But there ain't no cure for the summertime Oh, well, my mom and papa told me Son, you gotta make some money If you wanna use a car to go a-riding next Sunday Oh, well, I didn't go to work Oh, the boss, I was sick Now you can't 
take you the car cause you didn't work a lift. Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do, but there ain't no cure for the summertime blues. I'm gonna take my problem to the United Nations Well, I called my congressman and he said, whoa to help you, son, but you're too young to vote. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. We're here with uh, some amazing guests on uh, Beer Sessions Radio, sponsored by GreatBrewers.com. Well, we've got a special calling guest. Um, her name is, I only know her as uh, DrinkWithTheWench.com. Um, she seems to be one of the most uh, connected people in the beer industry right now. Um, is she on? Yeah, I'm right uh, here. Hi. <laughs> hi, Ashley. So it's Ashley. What, tell us your real name, because I only know you as drinkwithawench.com. Um, my name is Ashley uh, Routson. So, R-O-U-T-S-O-N is my right. last name. But most people just call me the wench or wenchy or some sort of combination. So Sam, Sam is excited. Sam, uh, Sam Merritt here. Uh, <laughs> tell us all about her, Sam. Well, it's it, I don't really know a lot about her, but I'm friends with her. On Facebook and stuff, and and I've seen her out and about uh, at the CBC and stuff, and there's a there's an aura of energy around this girl that I that you know kind of draws you in, and and uh, she, she I think she has a great time with beer. She takes it very seriously. She's a you're a certified beer judge, right? You're a BJCP, which is really technical stuff, but it seems like you have a lot of fun, you oh, know. For sure. So yeah, right. she's she's you know that's that's pretty much the extent. But you know, I'm, a, I, I'm a fan. I visited you know? your site today too. So it's drink. It's Ashley. Tell us the name of your site, official site. Um, drinkwiththewench.com. Okay, and where are you based? I live in Napa, California now. I work in Berkeley though. Okay, and how did you get involved in the world of beer? Uh, well, <laughs> it all came from the world of wine. My story goes. I graduated college and didn't know what I wanted to do, so like most people, I ended up in the restaurant industry. Um, because I was fresh out of college, I was really into studying, and so I started pursuing sommelier certification. And in the process, I became a restaurant manager, and my owners of the restaurant put me in charge of everything beverage. We were definitely a slow foods restaurant, uh, all about local organic products, and we didn't carry anything besides craft beer. So in order to understand and be able to order for the restaurant and also work on pairings, I started getting into craft beer and studying it, and then it just developed into a passion and an obsession. I ended up leaving the restaurant to go work for a marketing company, and even though I loved my job there, I was still kind of attached in some way to the restaurant industry, and I wanted to have more of an involvement in beverage. I wanted to continue my wine studies, and at the same time, I wanted to build upon my my beer and because I was working at a marketing firm I also understood the importance of branding from start to finish so I was able to start my beer blog with a really clear focus on I want to have a personality that is beer related you know and this personality is yet you know another extension of me so it's not like I was creating a character per se but that so character are, are that you I mostly create, mostly as, online or you're mostly like a social media person are you actually doing like live events I saw I saw a video you did that was pretty cool yeah um, I actually 
uh, I've gotten to the point where I have extended off of the Internet. Uh, I do travel a lot, especially in the past three years. I've moved around the country, and so I've put my face out there, and I've run a lot of events. Uh, and like Sam said, I've been, I go to CBC, I go to GABF. I now work for a brewery, so I'm actually very Bison, involved right? into the beer industry. Bison. Which brewery do you work for? It's called Bison Brewing. We're out of Berkeley. We're 100% organic. Nice. What do you do there, Ashley? Are you a brewer? Uh, <laughs> she has a cool. She has a cool uh, title, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. My official title is Director of Awesomeness. Awesomeness. And one of my roles does involve brewing. Awesomeness needs a director. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> director of Awesomeness. Perfect. Uh, my primary my primary responsibilities are PR, marketing. Um, I'm pretty much the control tower. All orders come in through me because we're a very small brewery. There's only about three or four of us principal people that work there. And so I take on a lot of different duties. I do spend probably one day a week in the brewery cleaning kegs. Um, usually the bitch work is what I get to do. Or the wench work, yes. Yeah, <laughs> mashing out, milling in, uh, cleaning everything. That's pretty much my job. Nice. Are you a member of the uh, Pink Boots uh, Society? I am actually not a member oh, of the Pink Boots. Tell us a little more about the Pink Boots Society. Well, let's say uh, society started by, uh, name alludes me from there, Argon. Um, but it's really um, uh, a club that was started for women brewers. You know, we were just talking in the previous se- segment how all the brewing used to be done by women brewers, brewsters. And there are a number of them now in the country, and they've got, they have their own sort of club now and it's also interesting to me how many women's beer appreciation clubs have kind of sprouted up around the country as well yeah women Uh, enjoying beer and and uh pink boots and uh there's a barley's angels also barley's angels yeah where's that um i don't know but my aunt who's a feminist says you know you got to stay away from that gender (laughs) intensity well guess what we have at jimmy's number 43 once a month we have the real alewives of new york oh see an alewife is a fish you know uh, caught off the coast of uh, Scotland, England, uh, but you know these clubs are getting so popular here. that men have been known Wait, to dress up. This. And, we got, uh, we got Ash- Ashley here, who's one of the. You're allowed. Um, you've been told blah blah blah. <laughs> We're having a good time. We're drinking great beer from Italy and then. What are you drinking, Ashley? What are you drinking? Yeah, <laughs> I'm drinking water, darling. It's too. It's too over here. So wait, so you're a top ten influence on the web for alcohol. Yeah. That's, that's let's say that again. Wow, really? You're a top ten influence on the web for alcohol. That's awesome. But do you know about Ale Street News? And do you yeah, know I about do. you do? Yeah. So yeah. You, you follow the whole she industry. Probably has a beer goddess shirt. I'm sure of it. <laughs> probably. You, you probably. And do you know about civilization of beer? Civilization of, of beer. Of course she does. Sam's. The, and do you know about Cicerone? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I just took the certified Cicerone test uh, two weeks ago in Portland when oh. I was out there. All right. Well. So, no, so what I'm trying to say is, so tell us a little bit, your, give us your overview of what you think of as the craft beer industry right now, like the things that you think that other people should pay attention to and what we should uh, learn more about. Hmm. Well, I think that uh, the, the interesting thing that I cross over when it comes to craft beer, and I've said this before, is I have three different roles in the industry. I am a beer geek, so I do get down at that level with a lot of the craft beer people with sellers and stuff like that. And I am a beer blogger, and that's a totally different community. And then I am in the brewing industry. I am a brewer. So I get to kind of see 
where craft beer is based on each little category that I'm in. Um, I stand on my soapbox quite frequently. I happen to live in Napa, which I, you know, I'm from New York originally, so I definitely love New York City. But I think that where I live in Napa, based on what we have wine-wise and chef-wise, we have some of the most discerning palates in the country. And so I get to see, you know, how they interact with craft beer. I think it's more important to look outside of my own industry because I tend to get uh, blinders on. Everyone I know that's in craft beer drinks craft beer and loves craft beer, so it seems like craft beer is a lot more respected and praised and celebrated than it really is. And one of my things right now is doing an evangelistic movement on Napa and trying to educate all these restaurants that have top-shelf, top high-end wines and liquors. You know, they only serve the freshest of ingredients. They're flying their ingredients in, you know, every night. They're only serving local. You know, something that was slaughtered that day is going to come in and be on your plate. And so I figure if these restaurants are so focused on quality, why on earth do I see these corporate beers or, you know, these subpar so, so adjunct actually, lagers on your menu? So you know, actually, you should be respecting craft beer. Yeah. Here's an old, old uh, trick I learned uh, working for the Craft Brewers Guild in New York. And what you tell them is, hey, you spend all this money on all your beautiful food and all your beautiful wine and your million-dollar chef and all this, and you're serving beer that is available in a gas station. <laughs> and then they go, what do you mean? And I say, go down to the gas station, and you have the same list. Why don't you step it up? And it works every time. That's, a, that's really amazing. I... Once, uh, when I was living in Florida, I worked with a master sommelier. We uh, had a concept that was corporate, and so the corporate company had a master somm, and he was responsible for training um, our whole entire uh, corporate company. And I was at the training store, so they really focused on our education. And I used to talk to him all the time about his beer menu, which was essentially all all corporate beer and he said to me oh well the kind of people that are coming in our restaurant that aren't drinking wine aren't going to drink fancy beer so implying that if you're not a wine drinker you're going to drink swill you know and it's like and that really? guy that guy's going to be working in the same place till he retires and meanwhile yeah. we're all going to be out, out here on the bleeding cutting edge you know all right yeah. well, so well, i do i do believe that beer and food is the new thing right now. I think that yeah. is probably I think we see here in New York, restaurant. a lot of restaurants are getting it. Um, the old the thing beer lists are, are, are coming in. Um, you know, yeah, it's no, changing. And with things like, Asher, do you think you'll make it out to New York Craft Beer Week in September? Um, probably not. September is a really tough time because JBF is at the end of the month and we're in uh, high festival season right now out on uh, the West Coast. I'm sure you guys probably are. Summertime is usually a time when it's just festival after festival and travel. So I doubt I will, but you never know. Awesome. Well, I want to <laughs> let you know that we're sitting here with a really great young brewer in New York uh, from Berraria, Italy. That's uh, cute. Brooks, yeah, he's cute. He's got a beard, too. Imagine <laughs> if you grew up in Arkansas, but the rest of your life, you really you were really grew up in Italy. You know, we could all live that way, right? So that means you could anyone in America could be born and then grow up in Italy. You'd be like Brooks, and he pronounces. <laughs> how do you say? How do you say time? Time. He says time instead of time. Isn't that cool, Ashley? Imagine growing up saying, well, "What time is it?" We'll get serious, but we're actually drinking some. What well, we're drinking some of his beers, and uh, what's the the last beer you, you poured us? Uh, we're drinking the Wanda, which is our chestnut mild ale. Um, 
No, you're missing out. It's really there. Are, there are several ants. There's Matilda from Chicago, Wanda, and Nora from Italy, and then you know a few others. Well, all of our beers are named after beautiful and famous Italian women. So, oh, that, that's where like Ashley. Uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, I just uh, released my own beer, uh, my own recipe with the Bison Brewing Company. We called it Cezanne de Wench, <laughs> which is yeah, less beautiful of a name. The, the season of the wench. I think I can play that. Oh. Tony, th- take it away. Give a little flute here. <laughs> and we'll go through some events. <laughs> well, we uh, have been very lucky here on Beer Sessions Radio to have such wonderful guests tonight. And we're going to talk about some of the special events coming up in New York City. Sam, any special events that you'll be doing? Well, we're doing monthly classes uh, at Jimmy's 43 uh, for the first level Cicerone exam. So, you know, we're doing our scholarship with the Good Beer Seal, uh, and people are continuing to take advantage of that, which is great. Uh, So bartenders and servers from Good Beer Seal bars get extra special treatment. but we're equal opportunity. Cool. You know, and Tony, anything, anything special events you're doing with Ale Street News? Yeah, well, we already mentioned the, you know, the tours that we have coming up. Um, the uh, Denver and Strasbourg. I'm already going to be in Strasbourg for the Monial Beer. I actually am organizing the American Pavilion there, as I have the last two years. And any brewers out there that want to have their beer in uh, Europe uh, for the uh, show? Oh, I think, I'm, I think I'm going. Uh, Sam's going. I'll okay. see you there, Sam. Okay. <laughs> and Brooks, anything we should know about that you're doing? Any special beers coming out? We're going to have a new session beer starting in September, which will be the Lisa, which is brewed with uh, ugly fruit peel, peel ginger, <laughs> and other weird ingredients. And but really, come see us at Italy Beeria. We have uh, three house beers at a time poured, but on. Uh, Served in casks, hand-pulled, and we also have Italian craft beer and American craft beer as well. So just come see us and enjoy the beer. Ashley, anything special that that we should pay attention to? Um, I don't know. Well, if anyone's going to be at the Great American Beer Festival, we're going to be pouring some really special beers. We just did a uh, collaboration beer with the the New Brew Thursday podcast, uh, their video podcast down in the Los Angeles-San Diego area, and... The winner of one of their competitions just came up and brewed a New Zealand-style pale ale with us oh. using all organic New Zealand uh, pale ale hops. So that's with so bison, that will, as bison brewing. Bison. Yeah, and that'll be on the floor with my Saison de Wench, which I brewed with roses, hibiscus, lemongrass, and pink peppercorn. Mm. And we'll have some other cool things at the GABF uh, that I'm really excited about. So. All right. We'll see you and there. here in New York, uh, some of the Good Beer Seal Bars, Browery Lane, will be having a Saison Summer Sampler starting August 18th. Rattle and Hum will be give, going on a tour of Victory Brewing. Jimmy's number 43 next uh, Wednesday, August 17th. It's my birthday. P.S. <laughs> and uh, we're doing a, a very special beer dinner with uh, some Jolly Pumpkin and Cantalon summer sour beer dinner. Uh, we'd like to say thank you to all our guests and especially to our sponsors at greatbrewers.com. Uh, you can always follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks to Tony, Brooks, Sam, and Ashley for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee and Brie O'Connor, and guest coordinator, Brett Thompson. And See you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ear. I like beer 
It makes me a jolly good fellow I like beer It helps me unwind And sometimes it makes me feel mellow Makes it feel mellow Whiskey's too rough Champagne costs too much Vodka puts my mouth in gear This little refrain should help me explain As a matter of fact, I like beer Every spring at the end of kidding season, goat dairies across the country are faced with the question of what to do with their male bucklings. Because on a dairy farm, there's no role for a male. Often the most economical thing for these farmers to do is to cull the animals at birth or ship them off to the commodity market. Heritage Foods USA is embarking on a new project, No Goat Left Behind, looking to step in and fill this niche by creating a marketplace for these male bucklings. Visit us at www.heritagefoodsusa.com to learn more and to reserve your goat this coming October. Shindig Rockaway Beach Party featuring the 45 RPM soul magic of DJ Jonathan Tobin. Saturday, August 20th, 6 to 9 at Rippers Boardwalk 86. Free party. This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. The long-awaited documentary, The Vanishing of the Bees, will be screening in Astoria, Queens, at the Broadway branch of the Queens Public Library on Monday, September 19th. I know that seems like a long ways away, but it isn't. It will be broadcast from 6 to 8 p.m. More information about this fascinating look at bee life and colony collapse disorder can be found at their website at www.vanishingbees.com. I also wanted to add that the producers are all working on a 30-minute educational video for high school students, so any parent or teacher should check out the site to see what he or she can do to work with the team to bring this into a school curriculum. The film has a Facebook page as well that discusses current events that affect bees. This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer.